Wholeness means to me being in a state of joy. Wholeness means feeling complete, owning my authentic gifts. Wholeness is really connected. Everything is connected to, to everything. Wholeness is where we have access to all parts of ourselves. Brian McLaren is one of those people that you know will love you and stand next to you no matter what. And in 2022, I had the chance to sit down in person with Brian and experience this love and compassion for myself. You can find that conversation in episode 73. Brian is an author, a speaker, an activist, and a public theologian. He is a former college English professor and pastor. He is a passionate advocate for what he calls a new kind of Christianity that is just, generous, and working with people of all faiths for the common good. He is a core faculty member and dean of faculty for the Center for Action and Contemplation, and his podcast, Learning How to See, is always my choice to listen to as I ride my bike among the beauty of the earth. It is so good. And the current season five is not to be missed. It's all about story. When I was creating an updated vision board this year for myself, being with Brian was part of what I hoped to experience again. I had no idea it would happen so quickly. And I am so grateful. In this episode and in the many books he has written and published, he weaves together love, empathy, and learning into beautiful storytelling And whether you agree with him or not, he will show you love anyway. You know, I was a a pastor for 24 years, and and I was also a a college English teacher. Before I became a pastor, I was a college English teacher. And and so my English background had me oriented toward reading literature for characters and plot and uh, conflict and, you know, uh, character arc of development and all these kinds of literary concepts. And when I read the Bible, you know, people always read the Bible look, and other sacred texts looking mm-hmm. for doctrines and ideas and who's right or wrong in this argument and all the mm-hmm. rest. And so I just always felt like, hold it, shouldn't I be reading this as literature? And shouldn't I be bringing the same literary sensitivity to this text? So when I started to do that, it became clear to me. Well, let, let me say it this way. When I started to do that, it felt like, you remember in the Wizard of Oz when it goes from black and white to color? Mm. It felt like, oh, all of these things that seemed like filler before. Mm. Now, no, this is what's this is what's spelling out the story. Mm-hmm. And I started by saying, oh, there seemed like there are four stories going on here. And then, no, it's five. And then six. Uh, and And then it was clear to me that when you see those six stories that are happening, that Jesus comes up in the story, offering an alternative to all of those six Mm -hmm. stories. And I call that the seventh story. Well, then when I had started noticing that there, I just started noticing it everywhere. Mm. Uh, And, and, you know, in the headlines and in dramas in my own life and family. And uh, I thought, oh gosh, I'm, I'm clicking into this story line myself right now. Mm -hmm. So that's where the the idea came from, and I'd be happy to summarize the the seven stories if that'd be helpful. I'd love but, it. Yeah, I'd love it. Well, uh, I maybe the easiest way for me to do it is to list the six and just give a quick definition of each of the six. 
Um, the first story is the story of domination. And this is the story of people who feel we can only be safe and secure if we're in control. How do we get in control? Mm -hmm. So that's uh, how do we get and maintain control, mm -hmm. domination? How do, how do we have power to keep other people under our power? Mm -hmm. Second story is revolution. Well, what happens if somebody else is in power over you and you don't like it? Mm -hmm. Now you want power. Mm -hmm. So it, in some ways, they're both two stories of violent power. I'll do anything necessary for me to get or keep control. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third story, so I call the domination story the first one, second re revolution story. Third, we could call the purification story. This is the story that says, you know, things would be okay. Like this is a story you tell when you're already in power. Mm -hmm. um, things would be okay, uh, except for those people there. And we pick mm -hmm. some group of people and we make them the source of our problems. Uh, they become what therapists sometimes call the identified patient. Mm. We don't have a problem. They have a problem. right? And we project our shame or our fear uh, on them. Mm -hmm. And they become scapegoats. That's a term that's often used for this story, the scapegoating story. Mm -hmm. and, and we feel if we could just get rid of them or get them to change or get everybody to agree how bad they are, all of our problems um, would be solved super popular story mm -hmm. um, among people who are in control and need somebody to blame when things mm -hmm. aren't the way they should, they feel they should be. That's um, third story. Fourth story, what happens if you're being scapegoated by other people? If you are the victim of their purification story, well, very often you want to get away. You want mm -hmm. to escape. Mm -hmm. And so that's the fourth story, isolation. Mm -hmm. um, if we could just get away from these people who are hurting us mm -hmm. and get our own land and our own space. Um, if you can't do it physically, you can say, if we could just get our own television station and radio stations yeah. and websites and all that, that's fourth. Um, and then uh, what happens when you can't escape and other people are harming you? Uh, you're being dominated and there's no hope of a revolution. Then you live in a victimization story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're we're oppressed and we're harmed, and it's their fault. And it's and and, uh, and so and many many people are victims. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the sad things is that a lot of other people use the victimization story to their advantage. They might actually be in power, but right. then they try to make you feel sorry for them by presenting themselves as the victim. Um, and so the victimization story is a legitimate story for a lot of people. It's true. There's nothing they can do. They're so outnumbered. They're so harmed. And of course, we're waking up every day and seeing people in the victimization story in the brutal headlines that we're living in. Yes. And, um, and so domination, revolution, purification, isolation, victimization, and then the sixth is accumulation. There are a lot of people who watch all this happen and they say, look, I can't dominate. I can't, you know, but I can make a lot of money and enough money to keep myself protected. And um, I'll just get as much money, land, weapons, whatever it is that, uh, you know, for some people, they don't care about money, land or weapons. They just want a whole lot of cocaine or it, it's, mm -hmm. there's some something if they could just have enough of it, mm -hmm. they would say, I'm going to feel I can be in my bubble of mm -hmm. what I've accumulated. I'll be OK. So those six stories. And my goodness, I've been working with this for a long time, and it's just those six stories cover an awful right. lot more about. And then I, I think I, there's 
Yeah, I can identify with those. I mean, I feel like there's a piece. I feel like I've sat in each of those places maybe at some point where I've, you know, and 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 now in this liminous space, it's like I feel like if I'm not careful, I could jump into any one of those stories really easy. Like they're right right there, you know, like they're right right there, and that's why I, you know, I'm looking for the seventh story, like (laughs) seventh story. But you can't look at the seventh story as if it's. I don't know. And I haven't, haven't read, I haven't seen that, that, that episode hasn't come out yet. So I don't know how it ends, but I I assume you can't, you, you know, you can't, you can't grab onto that seventh story from any, with any of the intention of the other stories. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Well, in a certain way, I I don't want to be a spoiler. uh, Okay. okay. Sorry, but but (laughs) maybe I could say it this way. Uh, It seemed when when I told you that, you know, I came upon this when I was a, a, pastor so but what struck me as i looked at the example of jesus in this regard mm-hmm. is that his whole life you can see as a reversal of those first six stories so you mm. could say that the seventh story is is in many ways it it's made up of yeah. reversing the first six stories so instead wow. of dominating you wow. try to empower others and serve others right. instead of violent revolution you you try to uh, share power and mm-hmm. and you uh, and you learn nonviolent resistance instead mm-hmm. of uh, and you you learn how to ask for help or you learn how to set boundaries things that are important skills for a, a peaceful life um, uh, instead of purifying and shaming others you you go toward the very ones you used to shame and you make a place at the table for them and you realize that they're human beings too. And you mm-hmm. stop playing that, that kind of, of a game. And, um, and instead of accumulation, you realize, gosh, w- w- generosity is a pretty good thing. And learning to share and learning to work together is way better than having your little prepper bunker. Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, protect yourself and kill anybody who gets in your way. Right. And uh, so it, each story has a sort of flip side, you turn it yes. upside down and inside out, and you start to see, oh, in the, the way for me to achieve a benefit for myself is not caring about myself, it's caring about the common good. And mm-hmm. so that becomes, I think, the seventh story. And don't you think that the fact that those stories are in, I mean, specifically in scripture, I mean, that's the thing is like, it, it's there in scripture for you to see that it exists and where you can Yes. So that you can move in a different direction. Like it, to me, it's so <laughs> encompassing of, you know, the fact that it's there, it's it, like, that's what I find more and more as I get older and, and start to see uh, the, the, the complexity and the harmony of things, you know, yes, that there, it's like, yes. you, we have both of those things that they're there. And, and, the, and it doesn't, it's funny how it shows us this way. And then he just shows us another way. Like it tells yes. the story and he just shows another way. He doesn't say, here's what we're doing, folks. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 it's just, fan- it's, it's an amazing. I wonder why the book has last the ages, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> hey, can, can I just give you one kind of fun example of that? Love it. Um, I, I have a friend who has, it, it, in, he, instead of the seven stories, he talks about two stories. And I think, that it works really well too. He says there's really two stories among human beings. One is the story of the warrior mm. uh, and the other is the story of the gardener. Mm. One says that we go and fight and are willing to kill to get what we want. 
And the other says, no, we tend life, we give life, we nurture life, we bring forth life. Mm. And uh, in that light, the, you know, the, in the first couple of chapters in the Bible, when it gives us those two creation stories, mm -hmm. um, uh, what's so interesting about them is that they're nonviolent stories. They're inviting people into a good and harmonious world, and they're inviting people to be gardeners. Mm -hmm. um, and when you read many of the other ancient creative creation stories mm -hmm. uh, from that time in the world, um, you know, for example, one of the uh, Middle Eastern stories was a story that said that before humans existed, there were these godlike monsters. Um, mm -hmm. And um, you sort of get the feeling they're like giant crocodiles, which you can imagine ancient people would think the crocodile is the most ferocious power out there. Mm -hmm. And in one of the stories, there's a fight among this monster family. And uh, the son grabs the mother, like this crocodile, and rips the two jaws apart. Mm -hmm. And out of the one half of the body creates the sky, and the other half of the body creates the earth, and takes the, I mean, this is kind of gross, but this is the yeah. story, <laughs> the, the blood clots and makes mm -hmm. human beings. So human beings are the result of violent forces. Wow. And you think, uh, you know, that uh, you can imagine why people would tell that story because mm -hmm. common people feel like they're just, you know, they're just pawns in these big fights between empires. Mm -hmm. But here is this alternative story it says, let's imagine ourselves as gardeners instead of killers. You know, mm -hmm. it's a pretty, pretty beautiful thing. Yeah. So, so what do you think people in the six stories, what is, what is happening internally that is different in mm -hmm. the seventh story? Well, I think most people who are living the six stories want the same thing that people want in the seventh story. They want peace and mm -hmm. they want security. You know, yes. it's our most basic needs. Mm -hmm. um, and the only problem is that nobody's ever showed them another way to get peace and security. And yeah. very often we just inherit a story from our religious community, our racial community, our political community, whatever, we inherit stories and we live by the only stories we want, we, we know of, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were born into people who've lived the domination story for a long time, it's kind of like the only show in town, you know? Yeah. 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 I think sometimes I've been interested in different people that I talk to and, you know, you, because there's, when I'm working with a client, um, you know, my, my goal is for, I mean, at the end of the day, I want them to feel enough. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I feel like yes. if they feel enough, if they, yes. if they have this internal love for themselves, that, that's yes. really all they need. And yes. it's shocking how difficult it is for us to do that. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's difficult for, for us as people to allow that to be so, or, or we get, or if somebody else starts to, to feel like that for themselves, that we might feel uncomfortable because they feel enough, you know, like it, yeah. it, it's really, um, it's been fascinating for me to, to, to sit with people and to just, I mean, that's my goal is to hopefully mirror for them, their greatness, you know, so that they yeah. can maybe, maybe, maybe I'm enough. Maybe, maybe I can, because I feel like if I have enough, then, 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 the, the giving away or being all of that seventh story just is a natural. It flows from that. Oh, right. a, I think that's it. Exactly. And you know, what's neat when I'm imagining you in that situation, I'm imagining you sitting with a person 
And you aren't just thinking as an idea that that person is enough. You are actually, you believe that person is yeah. enough. You're, and, and in your presence, that other person maybe doesn't have anyone else in his life who's thinking I'm enough. Everybody else is criticizing her or attacking him or insulting her or comparing you know, him to somebody else. But if to just have one person who becomes mm -hmm. a mirror of love to a person, that sometimes is what maybe always is necessary to open uh, the door to a different story. In fact, yeah. it's interesting in literature how often when a, a character in literature changes, mm -hmm. somebody comes across their path who shows them extraordinary attention, extraordinary forgiveness, extraordinary love, extraordinary belief in them. And that's what brings about the change. Yeah. And I, and I don't, it doesn't, I don't give it away so that I don't have it anymore. You know, like it, it's not something that can be taken from me, you know, yes. but there's, that's the, that's the scarcity or the, or the uncertainty is that if yeah. I give that away, I will be left with, that's the, that's the biggest lie. I think that, that yes. I will be left with, with nothing or not enough oh. or, you know. Oh my goodness. So true. You've probably heard that saying, um, whatever you appreciate appreciates so if yes. you appreciate someone that that person's value in their own eyes goes up sometimes like yes. oh wow somebody appreciates me and you're better off they're better off right when we it start... feeds me yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it feeds me it feeds me um yeah i so as i was taking some notes and kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about. I, some of some things came up, you know, and I, and I went around with this idea of stories, because I think that's just a great place to, to think about, but, and, and I feel like you kind of have a, an idea of the different stories going on, you know, in the world today. And, and so I, I had this uh, thought where, you know, people alive today, and maybe you knew, you know them, when they were young, they were not to use their left hand. Do you remember like left-handed people yes. were, they were yes. tight. They, I mean, like cruelly yes. traumatized, yes. you know, yes. people alive today. And, and yet here we are in this space and that just seems silly and doesn't make any sense. And we don't understand what that's like, you know, we just can't even comprehend it. And, and even their neighbor or their kid, it happened to them that they'd be like, yeah, but that was a long time ago. And we didn't know, you know, we wouldn't think about it. What kind of stories is is go, are going on today? You know, in that same mm. in that same realm, what are we missing today? You know, that's something that I I think about a lot because, you know, how many years ago is that? 30, 40, 50 years ago, this yeah. was happening. What's going to be in fifty years that we look back and say, well, wow. we just didn't know any better. You yes. know, well, that just oh, is, that was just crazy, right? What what are those stories that that are going to that are going to be that way in, in your, in your thoughts and opinions. My goodness. What a, I mean, part of me doesn't want to answer that question because <laughs> that's just something that everybody who's listening should think right. about themselves. I don't want true. to stop them thinking, true, but can true. I tell you, um, I, I mentioned I was an English college, English teacher. I had mm -hmm. a student when I was a college English teacher who's from Vietnam mm -hmm. and I was, he was writing something at his desk. And I watched him take his right hand to right and then switch over his left hand, keep writing. I'd never seen anybody wow. do that. Yeah, and yeah. I said, I said, how are you able to do that? He said, well, really, I'm left-handed. But whenever I, 
I would sit, uh, I, I had uh, seven brothers and sisters. And if I used my left hand for my spoon, I would bump into whoever right. I was sitting next to. So my father would beat me yeah. if I used my left hand. So I learned how to use my right hand, but my left is really natural. Yeah. And just So that example, I think is such a powerful example. I think, I think it's somewhere around 11 or 12 or 13% of people are left-handed. Mm -hmm. So you realize that we could stigmatize and shame people for something that now we understand is just part of who they are. Right. And I mean, this is, it used to be that, and still many people do this with mental illness. They stigmatize yes. people yep. with mental illness. And a whole lot of people do this with gay folks and, mm -hmm. and transgendered folks. And, and they, they and and it becomes this big political football and mm -hmm. and frankly that looks to me a lot like the purification narrative let's yeah. single these people out and and make them responsible we do it with immigrants we do it with uh, people in each party can easily do it with people right. in the other political party yeah um and you know there's a whole story among rich people that poor people are poor because they're lazy. Right. And then there's a story among poor people that rich people are rich because they're heartless and greedy. Right. And uh, maybe we step back and say, what if those aren't the only explanations for these right. things? You know? So I think there are many, many examples. I'll just give you one other though. Yeah. I mean, I think our children and grandchildren will be the, the health of the earth will be so much higher in their scale of priorities than for our parents and grandparents. Yeah. And, and I think what's going to happen going forward is that people are going to look back and think, how did people ever live without yeah. caring about the impact on the earth of their behavior? So yeah. that's one that I think we're in the middle of seeing change right now. I think so too. I, I laugh. I think of my great grandkids, great grandkids they are going to be like, they used to take one person in a car and they would drive in a car with just one person. And yes. it was, it was took a bunch of gas, you know, like, I think we'll just laugh at, we'll be yes. so silly. They'll just think we'll, we're so silly. They're so yeah. silly. Um, coming, the, um, combining both of those things. I, I was listening to a, a, another podcast. Have you ever heard of Dr. Hillary McBride? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. She has a podcast called Holy Hurt. Have you ever heard yes. of that podcast? I, I haven't heard the podcast, but I, I, I know of her work. Yes. Yeah. I just came upon it. And, and so this particular podcast is, is focusing on, uh, you know, spirit, some spiritual trauma, which, you know, in yes. the beginning, she says that's all trauma is spiritual at some point, you know, mm -hmm. in some way and another, but um, she's been really good to step into that space. And she, there was this quote, she, she said it, I had to look it up because I thought, oh, this is, I got to talk to Brian about this, but she said, it's harder to use the earth when I've recovered from being, it's harder to use the earth when I've recovered from being used. Wow. 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 Yeah. And when I see in, what is inside of me, that is hard to look at and love it anyway. It makes it easier for me to love the same thing in you. And then I can love my neighbor as myself and myself as my neighbor. Isn't that powerful? You know, just to put that in terms of the stories we were just talking about, you, you might say that the domination narrative, you can have a whole culture of people whose whole way of life is based on dominating the earth. Mm -hmm. And they've never even thought about it before. 
Mm -hmm. um, and then they imagine what would it look like to live in a loving and respectful way with the earth? Or you can imagine people living in that purification story yeah. that they put shame. And then somebody scapegoats them, vilifies mm -hmm. them. And for the first time, they understand what it feels like. And right. they say, wow, I would never want to do that uh, to somebody else. My, um, I, I can't remember if I, I told you this before, but uh, I have four adult children and two of my children are gay. Mm -hmm. And my parents were raised in a very conservative you know, religious setting where it, there was just no question that was sinful and mm -hmm. wrong. And when, uh, and it, you know, my kids, when they came out to uh, their, their mom and me, it was their business to decide when they wanted to talk to their grandparents. Mm -hmm. But one night uh, I was at my parents' home late at night and my mother said something and it just made me realize she needs to know this. And so I basically let her know and then said, but you know, my, uh, my son needs to tell you about this in his own way. Right. And I'll never forget the first thing my mother said. It was so interesting. This just mm -hmm. says what a beautiful heart she had. She, uh, she passed away um, some years ago, but she said, she said, when I was a little girl, I slept in the room next to my sister and her husband because they got married and needed to live with the family. Mm -hmm. And I heard my brother-in-law beating my sister. Uh, mm -hmm. And she said, and so when my sister said she wanted a divorce, I knew she was asking for the right thing. Mm -hmm. And when other people judged her, I knew that they were wrong and that my sister was right. And what was so beautiful about that is as soon as my mother heard that about her beloved grandson, right. my son, she found a story from her own life that enabled her mm. to have compassion. You know, mm -hmm. oh, isn't that a beautiful, it was just, yes. it, it, it happened without a split second. It was just, it's what poured out of her right at that yeah. moment. Yeah. She, that, yeah, it comes to mind. I was um, a leader in my congregation um, and we had a death, a death and it was a, a woman died in childbirth and her, she had mm. a son who was my son's age. They were in kindergarten at the time. Mm. And so it was time to go to the funeral. So I asked my son, I said, do you want to go see him and, you know, say hello to him? And he said, sure. You know, and, and uh, it makes me, it, it's just that, it's just that connection. So, mm -hmm. so he walked in the room and he went up to the little boy and, and he, he said, I had a pet die. You know, that was like the first mm -hmm. thing he said is I, mm -hmm. I had a pet die. Mm -hmm. And the, the little boy said, my mom died. She's right over there, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I just, in that moment of time, just the ability to find again, again, find the story within yourself and yes. then connect to the other yes. person. It's so simple. Oh. It's so yeah. simple. Oh, and um, that's a, all we have to do. Is it? Yes. It was so sweet. It was just yes. I, I couldn't have done it better myself. But that was his own way of trying to connect and say, "Hey, I, I, I understand what you're going through." And I, and I wanted to talk about that for a minute. I wrote in my notes, um, you know, what if we asked each other, "What do you need?" You know, mm. like, "What do you mm. need?" I, I think that's one of the the questions we're afraid to ask. Yes. Because we don't know if we have the capacity to fulfill it or if I don't know what gets in the way there. Yes. But I, I, I feel like we we move too quickly past what do you need to I'm supposed to provide it. You know what I mean? We we 
we miss the connection of that question. Oh, um, my. Oh, my. I, I what do you need? I think yeah. you're so right. And, you know, this is where thinking in terms of stories can help us. Like, I think of a person who is deep in that purification narrative. Every day, they need to talk about how terrible those immigrants are, or how yeah. terrible, you know, gay people are, how mm -hmm. terrible this or that is. And, and part of what people then do is they say, you shouldn't be so judgmental. Well, here's what's interesting. They're right. They shouldn't be so judgmental. Right. But if you say, why would a person be constantly pouring shame on other people? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's because deep inside of them, they feel they've been shamed. And yeah. so now they need to get some of the shame off them and, and be in the shaming position rather than the shamed position. And, yeah. and, you know, we know that's not a great story to live by, but that's the best they have right now. Right. And they don't even understand it. They're so in the story. They don't even, they can't even see it. But if yeah. we were to step back and say, I wonder what that person needs. The irony is the last thing they need is to have somebody condemn them. That just right. makes them feel more shame. And so then we look at the person and we think, how could I help that person uh, get free from this shame cycle, you know, that mm -hmm. he or she is in? And 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 when we when we're willing to ask that question and then move toward try to discern the need and move toward the need, I think we're really being a a good neighbor, a friend, a, a, a loving human being in that in that moment. Yeah. And on the reverse side of that, I loved, and you'll, I, you'll tell the story that you want, but I loved in an ep the episode about um, your, your, uh, he was talking about the word sorry, how they would paint the sorry around yes. the town and how powerful that was. And I thought, you know, that doesn't cost, that doesn't mean cost anything, just the yes. word, I'm sorry. Can we say yes. that? Are we, can, yes. what, what does that take as, from us as yes. we learn to use that sorry again you know sometimes we think if we say sorry then we're taking responsibility but is that true you know is yeah. that is that true that we because we use the word sorry or we 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 sit with someone in sorrow are are, are we claiming you know that we yeah. caused it um you know so what do you have to say about being able oh. to say sorry well, just you saying that makes me think about what keeps me from saying that. Like, For sure. in some ways, well, sorry can both mean this is in part my fault and I regret any part I played in this, but mm -hmm. it can also just mean I feel bad for you. My right. heart breaks for you. I, I have empathy for, for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things in me that gets in the way is that I don't feel it's enough to have empathy. I feel I have to fix it. Mm. And, and so maybe I hold myself back from expressing empathy in my obsession to need to fix. You, you, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I feel like just you're asking me that question makes me realize that offering a person empathy is a gift in and of itself. Mm -hmm. It, it might not fix the situation, but right. it helps the person feel noticed and and not alone, you know? Yeah. With, with I think of what's going on in the Middle East right now, mm -hmm. and everybody wants to blame somebody. Yep. But what happens if we enter into the situation and say, I'm so sorry, you mm -hmm. know? I, and we can sincerely say, 
it breaks my heart that you and your people have to live in this fear and with these memories. And then to go, and I'm so sad you and your people have to live in this fear with these memories. And I want I want a better day for you and for your neighbors. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was talking the other day, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit, but I was saying, you know, we're, we're, we, we think we have to do these grand things to change the, fix the world, you know, or to prevent the world from falling apart. Right. That's, you know, like we're, I got to do this. So my world doesn't fall apart, you know? And I, and I said, you know, there's people in the world whose world has fallen all, all the way apart. Yes. That has already happened to, to them, you know, and so the world, so it doesn't matter anything else that we're trying to argue about their world is yes. shattered yes and so what else could we do you know like what else yeah. because because that's that's something that's already been done we can't prevent that we can't stop that yeah. um and and so that's where that the only thing i can do when the world when their world has crashed to to, to nothing i mean some of these people yeah. have lost multiple family members you know it, and it's not about pity no. but it's it's about, um, you know, I can, I, I can't fix that, but I yeah. want to, I want my heart at least to be open enough to say, but I will sit with you in the suffering. I want, yeah. you know, I, 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 my heart is with you and, and I'm not going to try and make any platitudes or any excuses or because they, their world, you know, I, yeah. I can't fix, I'm not going to try and fix your world. It's that's, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my. And you know, in some ways, it anyone in great loss lives with this huge vulnerability. I've lost something. It it can't be fixed. It's too late. It can't be. Nobody can fix it. And so now, either everyone else is going to pretend it didn't happen, mm-hmm. or they're going to acknowledge that it's happened somehow Mm -hmm. um and i I think about your your son you know going to the funeral he used the word um, death or died Mm -hmm. and 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 just by saying that word he made it safe for the other person to talk about it yeah and and i think this is one of the gifts we need to give to people not the pressure to talk about it if they don't want to Right. But the opportunity to talk about it if they want to and need to. And um and sometimes the way we help them in in that is just by saying, My heart is broken for you. I I I know something horrible has happened. Um and uh if you'd like to talk about it, please tell me uh, anything that you want to tell me. And if you'd rather not talk about it, you you don't have to. And right. To just, to just, but to in a say in a sense bring ourselves with presence without even knowing how to fix it. Yes, but and all but but just to be a presence. Yeah, yeah. To take, we talk about we have a a, a video that we created called you know grief. It's about grief and 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 helping someone through grief and and the first thing we talk about is. Um, I think it was part of a TED talk, but it's like to to take the temperature of what they want, you know, let them lead the way of what they want. And and back to that whole thing, what do you need? You know, what do you need? And, you know, and, and if you're not sure how to do that, then, then I would recommend every morning waking up and looking in the mirror and saying, what do you need? You know, what do you need? Yeah. 
uh, because that inner work is going to, that inner work makes the outer work a hundred percent easier. And, and sadly for myself, I think that inner work did not come. Did I did not step into that until my world shattered in a way, you know, until yeah. something broke. And yeah. I don't think it has to be that way. But I that inner journey, the 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 hero's journey within, you know, that we yeah. all <laughs> go on the yeah. and the stages that we we go through, you know. And yes. I think that that I, I use that your stages all the time because sometimes we think when we're in one story that we've got to jump all the way over to the other end and sometimes we pass <laughs> the harmony <laughs> yes, moving to yes. the other end because yeah. we don't we want to make sure we don't ever do that again or you know and <laughs> yeah. and that's why the truth of it that's why I, I love that yes there's that seventh story but the only reason why we get to that seventh story is because we see the other six stories yeah. And move from those places, you know, that's the, that's the idea of wholeness, right? That's, that's the idea of wholeness that we're trying to work about is to, is to use all of the ingredients given to us to Mm. find a place uh, to, to to grow and find that harmony. You know, I find that harmony on my phone. This is, that's been my year. That was, I think that's why, uh, let's see if I can do it, find it. My, um, on the front of my phone, that's my word for the year harmony. Oh, um, just, just to remember, because I think that's so yes. powerful because I, yeah. I it, it is so easy to just, so I, I spoke about harmony and I'm like, in order for me to be in harmony with someone else, I got to know my tune. I got to yeah. know what tune yes. I'm playing Yes, and then step into harmony. So I've got to be me. I've got to, I've got to yes. find me. I've got to let my, my tune tone be loud enough to create yes. the harmony and uh and 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 it's not in a a boastful way or a selfish way but i've got to know part of harmony you can't have harmony if you don't have if you're not playing your own note that's right if If there's no if there's no diversity there's no diversity there's no harmony that's right yeah there's no harmony and so in order to be diverse i can step in as me and then all of a sudden we've got a place of of harmony if i as, as long as as long as i sing with or or play with or or in tune with um then it's beautiful that's the that's the definition of beautiful music is Mm. is harmony right it's harmony yes sometimes when we're when we when we recognize that we've been in the story like the recognition i think is is the biggest part where am i what story am i playing you know what story is presenting itself and because it, when you're when you're just running the story, it feels so true, right? It feels <laughs> yes. like the sky is blue. It just feels normal. You know how how do we? What is it? What is a way that we can gently move through that that mm-hmm. uncomfortable where we've discovered our story, and and it's our minds a little bit blown, mm-hmm. um, but we recognize because to me, I re- I recognize that you know the thing is is I if I don't participate if I don't step into the story then it runs me yes. you know uh because yes. it because i will get the revelation from that story that fits my needs <laughs> you yes. know yes 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 <laughs> i will hear what i need to hear and yes. so yeah how you know there's so i guess two questions one is how do we recognize our story and then two how do we not just doesn't it let it freak us out so bad we just either <laughs> j- jump to another story or yeah. Or jump back and and isolate. I feel like the isolation is always kind of one of those stories yes. we return to. Yes, sometimes. you know, I, I I really think 
I mean, being realistic, of course, we're going to spend a lot of time messing this up. I mean, the way yeah. we're, I, I love what my friend and colleague Richard Rohr says. He says the steps toward maturity mm-hmm. are necessarily immature. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. So yes. if you were already mature, you wouldn't need to keep moving toward maturity. So yeah. all of our steps are immature. So yeah. I would expect very often we're in a story. We're in the domination story. We're in the revolution story. We're in the isolation story. Whatever our story is, when we get challenged, our first reaction is probably going to be to double down on it. And mm-hmm. we'll double down again and again. And when we finally see it's not working, we might jump to another story without even knowing what we're doing. And it might not be a story that's going to solve the problem, but it might keep us afloat for a little while longer. Um, But I think this is one of the ways that we help each other. You know, sometimes we help each other as friends. Mm -hmm. Um, One friend goes to another and says, you know, I've noticed you have this pattern. Mm -hmm. um, You know, you and your wife get into an argument and then you shout her down and then she cries and then you feel bad. Um, well, you know, then once she cries and you feel bad, then you get back on heel. But I wonder what the effect is of you doing that again and again mm-hmm. for five years or 20 years. And the friend just sort of asks the question and you think, wow, I never even noticed that that's the pattern. But I guess you're yeah. right. I won't. And and so sometimes we do that as friends. Sometimes we do it. Uh, therapists do it for us. We go to a counselor, a therapist, and and that the, the counselor, the therapist is trained to help us gently see ourselves when we're ready mm-hmm. asks us questions to come to something sometimes it's a podcast that does it yeah. you know people in fact it's why people listen to podcasts because they find well, when i listen to this i get insights that help me with my life but very often we it's other people whose wisdom brings us a mirror to ourselves or they tell us a story from their own life or uh or they ask us a question that makes us think, gosh, there's got to be, a, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't working what I'm, what, what I'm currently doing. Right. You're one of the people that have your hand in so many different areas, you know, and, and that's almost like my first question. I was, I was mm-hmm. like, what, what are the suffering? What is the pain? What yeah. is the suffering happening in the world? And I know climate's one of them, but yeah. um, you know, I, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, for you to give voice to some of the things that are going on. What's, what are yeah. the pain points we're dealing with even to begin with? Yeah. What are the stories we need to address in yeah. the first place? Yeah. Well, uh, you may know um, the the book that I'm just finishing up now that will come out in May of next year is called life after doom. And it's about Ooh. this issue of, of how we live in a world where our climate is in, in, in unstable. We've destabilized the whole systems of the earth that maintain a a stable climate. Uh, Our politics are in disarray. Uh, You know, uh, our religious communities are, are, many of them are driving people away in droves. I mean, Mm -hmm. in some areas of life, um, the subtitle of the book is Wisdom and Courage for a World Falling Apart. And a Mm. lot of us feel that way. Mm -hmm. But I, I, in fact, in that book, I, I, talked about there being, uh, I mentioned these uh, seven stories we've talked about, but I also talk about it in terms of we wake up every day and there's two stories. One story is how people are getting rich, destroying the world. Mm-hmm. And the other story is how people are using their creativity and wisdom to try to help us live 
yeah. in a healthy and sustainable way with the world. And um, uh, and in many ways, it's the domination story. Mm-hmm. Um, we we don't we, we our culture has been dominating the earth for so long that we we never even thought about the earth. The earth was so big, and we were so small. We thought yeah. we could never do any damage to the earth, but yeah. but we finally managed to reach those tipping points. So, and this is where finding a story other than domination is going to be necessary for our survival. Yeah. Yeah. How do we balance between the realities of what's going on and trying to stay positive? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, how do we balance that? How do we get out of the doom, but not ignore yeah. the doom? You know, the the toughest chapter, I think, for me to ever write um, in any book is a chapter in this upcoming book. Um, and the name of the chapter is Hope is Complicated. Mm. Um there are ways that hope can facilitate our denial. There are ways that hope can help us not take ser- how, take seriously the problems we face. But mm-hmm. if we don't have hope, we we are afraid that we won't have any motivation. Mm. And uh, and as I grapple with this in the book, I ended up reviewing something I must have studied at some time in the past, but I've forgotten about. Um, And in the field of ethics, in philosophy, there's a field called ethics. It's also in most religious traditions. And there are three traditional schools of ethics. Um, One school of ethics is based on rules, rule-based ethics. Something's ethical if it follows the rules, rules of our religion, rules of our culture, whatever. Another approach is outcomes, outcome-based ethics. Mm. Something is good if it leads to a good outcome. Mm. Um, And I think one of our problems now is that many of the rules we live by are just downright stupid rules. (laughs) (laughs) Like the idea that you can have eternal economic growth. Well, that's just not true. Right. Um, And the outcomes are now problematic because if we say, well, how can we stop this from happening? It's it's already happening, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if stopping it from happening is your only motivation, then you're going to lose motivation. Right. There's a third kind of ethics. And uh, it goes way back to Aristotle. And you see it in the Bible and elsewhere too. But you could call it virtue ethics. And this mm-hmm. kind of ethics says uh, something is right when it expresses the kind of person that I want to be. Mm. Right. Um, And so if I know that I want to be a loving person, I'm going to act in loving ways, Mm. even if the outcome won't be what I want. Mm. Um, And of course, we all experience this when we're close to someone who has a terminal disease. Mm -hmm. And what we want is for them to get better. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much I love them and I'm kind to them, if I realize they're not going to get better, then I realize, okay, now I'm going to love them because I love them and because mm. that's who I am and that's our relationship and that's how I'm going to act. And I think what we need in these times is that third kind of ethics, mm-hmm. ethics based on who we are, who we want to be. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. What I'm hearing you say is it's almost like um, we let go of, it's not about we you kind of live in the moment you're in the moment yeah. and we let go of the results like the, we we want results 
Yeah. But we're living in the moment, moment yes. by moment. And even if the results look less and even if the results we desire look less and less likely, it doesn't mean we give up. Right. It means we shift our motivation to say, I'm doing what I'm doing because of love. Right. Whatever the outcome is going to be. Um, and uh, and I think that we need that kind of deeper that deeper motivation. And, you know, when I was writing this chapter, suddenly I thought about some words from St. Paul in the New Testament where he says, you know, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. But mm. the greatest of these is love. In other words, when faith fails and when hope fails, yeah. love can still get you through. And yeah. I think that's what we're going to need. We're, yeah. we're all going to need to say, I love the earth mm-hmm. and I love future generations. I love my children, my grandchildren. I want them to have a good life. And so I'm going to act in the best way I can to express that kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it, and it's it, the the younger generation are doing it. My, my kids are very aware of what's happening to the earth and ready, you know, um, really encouraging us to ride our bicycles, you know, those little tiny things that we can do. And it's a passion for them in a way that, is just fascinating to me. That was never something that we talked about, yeah. but it's very, it's very acute for them. Um, not and not in a fear way, just yeah. it's just in a responsible way. It's just yeah. I need to be responsible for, for showing up, you know, in the world. And it, it's shocking that it's that it's controversial. You know, sometimes we're even we we were driving down the road the other day, and I just I I spoke out loud. I said, "Look at all these people in agreement," you know. <laughs> Look at all these people in agreement. Just, just because we all—it really was a dance. Everybody was, mm. everybody was trying to get along. Everybody was yes. trying to, yes. to, you know, it was in everybody's best interest to work together. Yes. <laughs> driving down the road, which yes, um, so we can do it. We yes. have the ability to do it. We are better at it than we think. Yes, um, we all I like have that. We all have like similar that. needs. Yeah, we all have similar needs. That need, that love, is we. We need to get it and we need to give it. And yeah. and it's if, if there's an idea that there's not enough of that to go around, then that, that's how you know you're in a story. Yes, that's right. So look at your that's that's the clue to a story. If it if it feels like there's not enough, then we're living in one of those those stories. Yeah. Just just to say that quote one more time, it's harder to use the earth when I've recovered from being used. Oh. So good. Isn't that so so good? good. So good. So yeah. Yeah. This reverence for the earth has been something that it's, it's wild when you tune into it, how it becomes a living thing you feel and interact with and, and experience in such an amazing way. Um, I just, if you, if, if someone doesn't have, you know, that, yet in their lives i mean just spend some time looking at a blade of grass i'm telling you it's just it's just amazing it was it's just amazing the the aliveness that the earth has to teach us oh oh. so true so true and when you see it you can't believe that you didn't see it before right but and for all the people who don't see it the good news is give yourself a chance and you'll see it yeah (laughs) And, and it will enrich your life it will break your heart in some ways, yeah, you yep. know, but it will also enrich your life. Just a quick story. I know we're almost out of town, time. Yeah. But 
I, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I was in Wyoming and I took a walk with a group of people and leading our walk was a botanist. Mm. And uh, we were in the high desert and we'd stop and she'd say, see that sagebrush right there? She'd say, um, you'll look around and you'll see there's dots of sagebrush all over. She said, well, you know, most of the precipitation comes here in the winter and it comes in the form of snow and the wind blows the snow and that sagebrush gathers all the snow in little mounds. So when the snow melts, it stays in the roots of that sagebrush and the shade of the sagebrush keeps it from evaporating. And so that becomes like an oasis in the desert for all these creatures. So suddenly you're thinking, wow, sagebrush is awesome, you know, and then you go a little ways and then there's a an ant hill of harvester ants. And she tells you how the harvester ants depend on the sagebrush and these other plants. And 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 then she points out, see that that plant there? She said, that plant is the only plant that blossoms at night in the desert. Mm. Um, and there's only one pollinator for that plant. It's a moth that pollinates that plant, no other plant. They've evolved to be the only pollinator and flower in on the night shift, she said. And suddenly... By the time we were finished with the walk, you just felt like I'm walking on holy ground. Right. Everything is interconnected. It's all the life is just flowing. Anyway, it was uh, uh, I I I I just remember having that feeling like, how did I not see this before? And how right. blessed I am now to see the beauty of the intricate connection of everything. I was riding on the back of a motorcycle a few years ago and I just decided to tune in. You know, I just thought, what's you know, let me just, you know, being on the back, you can smell things, you feel yes. the temperature changes, you know, you're really out there. And all of a sudden, I, I just, it was this most amazing experience, but all of a sudden it was like this, I, this one little tree, look at me, I'm a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a big, huge tree, look at me, I'm a tree. And, oh. and it was wild to me. I don't know. I mean, it's beyond words, but it was like this idea of, they had no comparison. Yeah, Like it was not like, you know, like that's the nature, what nature can teach us. They have no comparison. They, they're not like, well, I'm a big tree and that guy is a little tree, you know, and, <laughs> and there was the blade of grass on the ground. I'm a grass, look at me, you know, like yeah. that was just the idea. Yes. It was just hundreds and hundreds of look at me, look at me. Oh. And it was such a lesson um, that I'll never forget. And, you know, a, a story that, that was happening to me that I was living that taught me about me, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. On the back of a motorcycle. That's great. On the back of a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> on the back of a motorcycle. I have lots of amazing experiences on the back of a motorcycle. When you're quiet and you ask, when you yeah. just ask questions, yeah. you just ask what, what would, what, what about right now is happening inside of me or to me? Anyway, mm-hmm. I, rec- I highly recommend it. Um, but I am so grateful for your time. And I just think, you know, the, I always go back, you know, we talk about a wholeness and we talked about that before, uh, you know, you've been here before and shared with us your ideas on wholeness and, you know, how do we, you know, what is, how can we acquire the feeling of wholeness um, as we connect with, whether with the earth or with mm. story with others to just kind of, yeah. Well, really, I think you just said it. it. I think there's a wholeness that sometimes people want that is a wholeness apart from everything else. Right. But there's another kind of wholeness that comes when we're a part of everything mm-hmm. else. There's a wholeness that we might want 
in disconnection from everybody else. I don't want to have to depend on anybody. I don't want to have to deal with anybody. I want wholeness myself. And, and I mean, there's a certain dimension of that that I'm sure is valid. But if that's all that we have, then we miss the deeper wholeness that comes from our connectedness. Um, connectedness in, to go back to stories, to con the connectedness in one big story. Yeah. Um, and this is the sadness of people who are caught up in domination and revolution and accumulation and isolation and all the rest is they act as if that story is the only story. Um, but no, we're part of this much, much bigger story. It's the story of this beautiful, evolving miracle of life that's happening in the world. And, and we get to be part of it for a short time and, and have our turn and, and enjoy it and share it. So, uh, and of course, that's what makes great opportunity to be with you in this conversation and even imagining people driving along in their car or taking a walk or running or doing their dishes, listening um, to us there, that we're all connected in this bigger story. Feel empowered every day with wholeness videos, meditations, downloads, classes, and more by joining the Wholeness Library at thewholenessnetwork.com.